God has been good to us. Amen. Well, you're sitting here tonight. Uh, that's just a, the proof of God's goodness to us. You know, it's a, the Bible says it's of His mercies that we're not consumed. And the fact is, is that we don't deserve the goodness and the mercies of God. But I praise the Lord for them. Amen. Yeah. I praise the Lord for those mercies. A lot of people today, you listen to them, they say, I want justice. I want justice, not me. I want mercy. Amen. Yeah. I want the grace of God, the mercy of God. And, and praise the Lord for that. Well, take your Bibles and turn to Hosea chapter 12. We'll read one verse. Or, I'm sorry, Hosea chapter 10, one verse. going to read one verse here tonight. and Well, I'm going to read two verses, but I'll have you turn there. If you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. If you're able to, I'm going to read Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, and then also Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 3 will be our text tonight. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12 says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 3 says, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among the thorns. Notice the two indications there to break up the fallow ground, the hard ground. Break it up. Get it where it's usable. Get it back where it can produce something. He says, break up that foul ground. I'd like to preach a message titled, Let Us Seek Revival, and let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening. So many times, Lord, we become hard. Now, Lord, I pray that you help us to break up that fallow ground. And, Lord, sow seeds of righteousness into it that we might be used of thee, that you might be glorified, that we might see reviving of our hearts and lives to live for you, to serve you, Lord, and also the church. And, Lord, that we might see it reaching out, see souls saved because of it. May you be glorified, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. We're living in a time of hardness, to be honest with you, and dullness towards God. There's a, a great need of revival in our churches all across this nation. So many times people, we, we begin to get complacent. We find we get in a rut and, and we come into the church, we sit down and we listen to the preaching, we sing the songs, we pray the prayers and we get up and we walk out the door and we turn around and come back for the next service. We sit in the pews, we get up and sing the songs, we pray, we listen to the preaching, we uh, say the last amen, go out the doors, go home and come back on Wednesday. We come back in, we sit down in our pews and we sing the songs and we pray the prayers, listen to the message and pray another prayer at the end, get up and walk out the doors, and we just get in the cycle over and over and over again. Say, well, preacher, what are you going to do? Well, that's not the cycle that we got to break. Our cycle is, is that we come in and we're complacent, we're satisfied where we're at, it's comfortable, and uh, maybe it's hot outside, and so we come in here, it's cool in here. Air conditioning, I'm sorry, some of you are fan, the air conditioners are doing all they can do with this heat. But that's the way it is. Some of you back there, even Martha, she's always freezing. She's got two blankets on her and back there thing and freezing to death right now probably. And it's, you know, I'm about to break a sweat already. But the fact is, is that we get complacent in our Christian life. And we take it for granted. And we take the Word of God for granted. And we tread down that road day after day after day. We pick up our Bibles, maybe. We read our devotions of a morn. We spend some time in prayer. We close them up. We go about our day, never really thinking much about our devotions that morning. Never spending that much time in prayer through the day. 
and we just go through the day and finally we come back to a service time. We come back and we go through this thing over and over again. And it's basically like if you've got kind of muddy ground and it begins to dry and you begin to walk on it and pack it down, it gets real hard. And that's what happens in Christians' lives. Today, we, you don't see the altars being used in a lot of churches very much anymore. It's kind of a, you know, we'll do, take care of it in our pew or somewhere, you know, and there's no brokenness in our hearts enough to draw us, draw us to a pew. There's no moving in our hearts to say, listen, I need to stand up and I need to give a testimony of what God's doing in my heart and life. There's no moving in our hearts and lives to get a, a holy grunt sometimes out of somebody, an amen or a glory to God. And we just kind of come in and we, we go through this and we go through it and go through it and we hear the preaching of God's word and we leave the same way we come in. God doesn't want that. God wants us to see a moving and a stirring in our hearts and lives for Him. To live for Him. To glorify Him. To to lift him up in this world, this world can see that it's not just religion. We're not just going through some type of religious ceremonies, but that we walk with God and we know the Lord and we know him as our personal Savior and that we've put our faith and trust in him. We're not trusting man. We're not trusting church. We're not trusting anything else. We're trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior. And, and man, we got, a, we got a God that loves us and cares for us and he died on the cross for us and rose again the third day so that we could have everlasting life. And boy, it ought to stir our hearts and it ought to move us to do something for him. The fact is, is that we sometimes begin to lose that edge. We begin to get comfortable in the seats and our mind goes into the weak or goes onto something else instead of the Word of God and God moving in our hearts and lives and we get hardened. Well, we're needing to break up that fallow ground. We need revival in our churches. We need revival in our, our lives. We need it in our homes. We need a stirring again so that this world can see something that's real. They've seen enough of religion. They don't need religion. They need Jesus Christ. Amen. And we should first uh, of all, what we need to do is we need to see this twofold. And revival really is twofold. At first it's for the church and for the Christian, you might say. And when we get our hearts right with God, when we get stirred again for the Lord, begin to live uh, not out of just duty, but because we love the Lord, because we want to see Him do great and mighty things in our lives and the lives of others. When it stirs our hearts to that point and we see that revival, then it begins to speak to others and, and others will begin to get saved when the church gets right. So we should first of all, we should be concerned for a revival for the church and for us as Christians. Well, there's a need to soften our hearts. Fallow ground, as I said, is that ground that one time had been tilled and, and used, but since that point it had been left alone. It's grown back up. It's become hard again. It's, it's, it's hard to get the seed into the ground. It's not going to do much good just to throw the seed out there. You've got to break up that ground. You've got to break up those clods. You've got to break up that hard ground because it's become hard. And that's the way our hearts are. It must be broke up again that can be sown with righteousness and bring forth a harvest. Look there again in, in, in Hosea chapter 10 verse 12 there it says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reach and reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground. Now notice what he says here, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. In order to break up that fallow ground of our heart, we're going to have to examine ourselves. We're going to have to get real honest. I think one of the biggest problems that we have today as Christians is that we're not honest. 
Well, preacher, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm honest. No, I'm not talking about honest with somebody else. I'm talking about honest with ourselves and honest with God. When's the last time that you really sat down and said, Lord, what is it in my life that needs to be changed? What is it in my life that stands between me and you of serving you in a greater way? What is it in my life that you want to, to change and, and, and to bring me closer to you? What is it? You know, most of the time we just get comfortable and we just want to stay right where we're at. But you're either going forward or you're going backwards. You're not, you're not, there's no, there's no middle ground. It's like, uh, uh, like the group that went uh, canoeing uh, from the, from the church here. And I, and we, we used to take teens canoeing and everything. And, and you're in, you're, you're, you're in that, you're in that, in, in that canoe and you're going downstream, you're moving. Unless you pull over to the bank and get out of the water, you're generally moving. You're going downstream, you're going with the flow. Sad thing is, is that that's the way it is with a lot of Christians today. We're going with the flow. We're going with the world. And we need to be going back towards the Lord. And that takes some work. It takes some effort. But you're never sitting still in this life. You're either growing in the Lord. You're either letting God work in your heart and life. You're either seeing revival stirring in your heart and soul and living for the Lord in a greater way. Or you're going backwards. And your heart's becoming harder. In Genesis chapter 3, we have the, we have the, uh, the report here of how that, that uh, the sin came into the world. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking, the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees. Now here's the, here's the amazing statement of this. The verse 9 comes up and it says, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Where art thou? This is the God of heaven who knows all things. Who, who knows everything about you. I mean, I don't know if you've ever fooled with the GPS on your phone, you know, and, and I can take it and, and, and it gets pretty close. I can actually be in my house and, and I can hit the GPS on my phone and, 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 it will, and, and it will show exactly where I'm at and even almost to a certain part of the house. Kind of scary. But sometimes I'll look at it and I'll be in, in one area and it'll be way out here someplace else. It's never always right. Can I tell you something? God doesn't use a GPS. He can see exactly where you're at. Yes. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows exactly what you're thinking. He knows exactly what you're doing. He knows exactly what you're going to do after, after, uh, before you ever know what you're going to do. But here we see... In Genesis chapter 3 there, he says unto uh, to Adam, he says, Adam, where art thou? God knew where he was. And God knew what he had done. But God wanted him to admit where he was, hiding from God, and what he had done. Yeah. Our problem today is, we would rather hide among the vines and the, and the bushes as to admit to God that we're, our hearts are hard or cold and we're not walking with Him like we ought to. We become complacent. We become satisfied. 
and we're, we're willing to, to hide in the bushes, you might say, instead of admitting to God. Well, God's working. It was working in, in Adam's heart because the Lord knew all that had happened. He knew where he was, but he wanted Adam to admit it and to get real honest with himself and with God. Can I tell you something tonight? If you can't be honest with yourself and you can't be honest with God, even God can help you get out of that mess. You got to get honest with yourself and you got to get honest with God. You know, it's a lot of times the little things that we just don't want to admit need to be changed. But it's always the little things that lead to the big things. It's always those little things that cause us to be complacent. It's always the little things that over a period of time that hardens the heart. And God wants us to be honest with him. David got real honest with, with the Lord in Psalm 51. After David had committed adultery with Bathsheba and had Uriah the Hittite, her husband, killed, basically David murdered him because he had him put forth in the battle in order to kill him. And then the prophet comes to David and says, Thou art the man, and talks about his sin. And now you in Psalms 51, you find David getting honest with God, trying to to get back where he should be because he knew that he was, had sinned against the Lord. He knew that his fellowship was broken with God. He knew that, that his heart was going to get hard if he didn't. David says, Have mercy on, upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, and blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquities and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, and thou madest, mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou uh, judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to be, hear, the, hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice." Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I uh, teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, and O God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I have given it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, O God, that I will not despise. He says, God, the thing that I need in my life, he said, is for me to have a broken heart, a broken spirit. Otherwise, to break up that fallow ground in my life. To begin to get honest, and he got real honest with the Lord. He didn't try to candy coat things. He, he called sin, sin. He called it iniquity. He called it a transgression against God. He got real serious with God. You know what a lot of times we do? Well, Lord, I messed up. God says, no, you didn't mess up. You sinned. 
Lord, I, I, I've been, I just been, kind of got cold and everything. It's, it's going to be all right. God says, no, wait a minute. I want you to understand that when you get cold, it's a, little, it's a lot worse than what you realize it is. When you get, the deadness comes in your heart and you're not stirred and, and you're not on fire for the Lord, not trying to seek the Lord and not trying to grow in the Lord. And then we all go through times like that, up and down, up and down. But when you get to that place where you're complacent all the time, your heart gets hard. You see, it's time for each of us to examine ourselves like David did and the church to, in light of God's Word, and admit where we are. Tonight, if you was to get real honest, and we was to go around the room, and I'd say, are you where you should be spiritually? Is your walk with God where it should be? Is your heart stirred for the Lord? Are you moved for God? Or has your heart been getting a little bit harder, a little bit colder? Are you, are, you, are, you, are you moving forward with the Lord? Or are you just kind of floating back downstream? What would be your answer? What would be your answer? If I say, oh, is God stirring your heart? Is there a great desire for in your heart to, to see others saved? Is there a great moving in your heart for you to get closer to the Lord? Is there a great stirring? Are, are, have, you, have you got that fellowship with God? Are you walking with the Lord? What's your, what's your walk with the Lord really like? Is it just out of habit? Or is it something that stirs your heart and you're looking forward to each time that you take the time and sit down with God's Word? The very first thing that every one of us ought to do is the Bible tells us to examine ourselves whether it be of the faith. You see, church can't get you to heaven. The baptistry can't get you to heaven. Good deeds can't get you to heaven. Man can't get you to heaven. Putting money in an offering plate can't get you to heaven. The only one that can get you to heaven is the Lord Jesus Christ. When you put your faith and trust in Him and Him alone, Asking Him to come into your heart and life, forgive you of your sins, and be your Lord and Savior. Desiring Him to be uh, your Savior from your heart. Not just a prayer from your head, but from your heart. For with the heart men believe in the righteousness. And with the mouth confessions made unto salvation. Say, preacher, you, you quote that every time you get up and preach. Because it's so important. Because our heart is so important. And our heart is not only important in salvation, but our heart is important in how we live and how we serve God on a day-to-day -day basis, not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday, not just during revival time, not just during camp meeting, not during, just during camp, but every single day our heart should be involved, getting closer to God, a desire for God to do something in our lives. But we should examine ourselves first, make sure that we're saved, and then examine ourselves. Am I neglecting the Word of God? Do I lack a real love for the Lord? Am I just going through the motions? Is there ingratitude in my heart for all that God... Well, we talked, we preached about that this morning. That, that, that glorious salvation where there in, in, in Revelations 19 and, and, and verse 1 where they talking about, they, they, they said, Hallelujah or, or praise the Lord for that salvation. But sometimes we become so indifferent. Man, we're saved on the way to heaven. And yet we don't even stop and thank God. And don't give Him the glory for it like we ought to. He's a glorious God, a mighty God. And He deserves honor and glory. He deserves to be lifted up. He deserves to be magnified. He deserves all that praise. Maybe it's neglect in our prayer. 
Oh, say, well, preacher, I pray. Do you really pray or are you just going through repeating some words? You know, what would it be like? Brother Auger, what would it be like if to Sister Auger every day you got up and said, Hi, good morning. How you doing? Love you. Hi, good morning. Love you. Hi, good morning. Love you. And not really with any heart. After a while, she'd take that skillet that she fries them eggs with. She'd begin to work on him. It'd get real. And he might come in and say, Good morning, honey. I love you. And give her that look, you know. And she said, What do you want to eat this morning? You know what it is? It's with the heart again. A lot of times we pray just to say we've prayed. A lot of times we read our Bibles just to say that we've read our Bibles. A lot of times we go to church just to say we went to church. And we go through that and our hearts become hard. It should be with, the, with a, a tender heart. Maybe it's a poor spiritual attitude and, and maybe a, a, a critical attitude. Anybody in here got a critical attitude? No, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, sometimes as Christians we can have the worst attitude, worse than the lost world. Critical. Was Jesus Christ like that? Absolutely not. Lack of love for lost souls. Not really caring. Sin of hypocrisy. Saying one thing but living a different way. Neglect fellow believers and worldly mindedness instead of godliness and, and righteousness in our mind. Pride and, and critical uh, and, and envy and slander talking about others. Lack of seriousness about the things of God. Lying, cheating, robbing God, temp, uh, temp, uh, a tempter, uh, a temper and, and getting mad about everything. And on goes the list of things that we should look at our lives and say, hey, wait a minute. I need to examine myself. Where am I at? Adam, where art thou? And I think the Lord would say to you and me tonight, where art thou? Where are you at? Then we need to confess it like David did and get it right with the Lord. And Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. A lot of times... We want to cover up those things because, well, preacher, on a, on a scale of 1 to 10 and 10 being the worst sin, they're really only about a, a 1 or a 2. They're not that big a deal. So we cover them. But he said, you'll not prosper. If you know that it's sin, you'll not prosper. And so we're to confess them that we might have mercy. And then he says that we're to sow to our, your, ourselves in righteousness. There has been, there has to be that seeds of, of righteousness sown into that ground, that fallow ground, breaking up that fallow ground in order to produce fruit of righteousness. If you go out here and, and, uh, and, and you got some hard ground and you go out there and you till that ground up, you, you plow that ground up, you disc it up, and boy, you get it ready for planting. And you don't do anything with it. Do you know what's going to come up? Weeds. Weeds are going to come up. Stuff that you don't want. 
It's all going to grow up in, in, in stuff that you didn't want. It's not that, okay, I, I, I want some corn out here. And, and you go and you break up that ground and you, and, and you disc it up. And, you man, you got it ready. It's, it's like powder and it's ready to be planted. But if you don't plant that corn in there, you're not going to get corn. And many times in our lives, we, we confess those things in our lives and we get those things right with God. But we don't come back and plant the seeds of righteousness. We break up the ground in confessions. We break up the ground in trying to draw nigh to God. But we've got to plant the seeds of righteousness so that the right thing comes up. Too many times we just allow the world to come back in and sow its weeds into our lives. And, and then that's what we get is the weeds of, of this life. So we need to begin afresh and, and, and a new seeking of the Lord. Can I tell you something tonight? If there's kind of been a deadness in your heart, if you kind of got, you know, every one of us go through this, and nobody sitting here has not been through this in their life, if you've been saved very long. And that's it, you're in there, and you're loving the Lord, you're on fire for God, and everything's going good, and next thing you know, you kind of drifted out a little bit. It's not that you don't love God, but you just kind of drifted out into other things, and things begin to work on in your life. Well, preacher, what do you do? Well, you get it right with the Lord, and you get back in there, and you start serving God again. It's kind of like the, 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 the old saying about riding a bicycle. You fall off, you just get back up and get back on it. You say, preacher, what if you fall off again? Get back up and get back on it. Preacher, what if I, I'm in there and I, I'm battling with a sin and I get it right with God and, and I'm breaking the ground and trying to serve God and trying to do everything and, and I stumble again and what do you do? You just get right back up, confess it to God. First John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Get back up and start living for God and, and going for the Lord again. Amen. Just keep on going. Keep on going. Keep on moving forward toward the Lord. Let God uh, uh, take you and use you in a, in a great way. Begin fresh and praying. Boy, begin to, to try to build your prayer life and, and begin to do something. Say, Preacher, I, I just don't know about this prayer. I just don't know what to do. I'll tell you how to start out. Let me help you a little bit. You get you a piece of paper. And you start writing down some things that need to be prayed for. It may be family, it may be friends, it may be health issues, it may be it's salvation for others, and you begin to make your list. And then when you get time, when you set, you set you a time to pray, and you go to that list and you begin to pray, you begin to talk to God, and you begin to lay those things before Him, before long, you may, not, you may go ahead and use that list, but there's going to be other things coming to mind while you're praying. Before long, you say, well, preacher, I, I can only pray about three or four minutes. Not very long. It'll take very, very long for me to pray. I'm going to tell you what, when you begin to walk with the Lord in prayer, next thing you know, you'll look down and say, whoa, man, it's been 20 minutes. Whoa. Why? It's kind of like you and I. We tell wife, I'm going to go over here to, to, to Levi's, and I just need to tell him a couple things, and I'll be back in just a, a few minutes. We'll get over there, start talking to him. Start talking to him. Something else comes up, we start talking about it. Something else comes up, we start talking about it. Something else comes up, we start talking about it. Next thing I look down, uh-oh. I've been here 45 minutes. My phone starts ringing. Where are you at? She don't do that. But what I'm saying is this. When you begin to spend time with God, time begins to fly. And one thing leads to another in your relationship in the Lord. And it gets sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. 
And you begin to see that, that time growing in prayer and that time in the Bible, the Word of God, as you begin to read the Word of God searching the Scriptures. The faithfulness to the things of God becomes, becomes something not that you have to do, but that you get to do. Let me say something here. A lot of Christians, I have to do this. I have to do that because that's, you know, the preacher's preaching this. And, the, and, and yeah, I guess that's what the Bible says. And so I got to do these things. Can I tell you something? I get to do them. I get to do them. I don't have to go home to that lady back there, but I get to. I don't have to kiss her of a morning, of a night, and any other chance I get, but I get to. I don't have to tell her that I love her, but I get to. That's the way, hey, listen, in your relationship, when you begin to realize that uh, the things of God, that it's, it's not about having to do them, it's, it's that you get to. And it builds a sweet relationship between you and God because it's not no longer trying to just do something out of duty, but because you want to, because you want to please Him, because you love Him. Begin to follow the things of God, witness and tell others of your wonderful Savior. Seek that fellowship daily with the Lord as you're, these are planting these seeds into that, that ground that you broke up, stirring your heart with the love of God and, and putting a song in your heart of praise unto the Lord. On purpose. You have to do these things on purpose. They don't just happen. It has to be done on purpose. And we've got to come to a place where we realize that I must purposely live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just, it's not just going to happen. I must purposely live for Him. We've got to create a, a fresh appetite for the Lord. Matthew chapters 5 verse 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You'll find that when you break up that ground and you begin to try to get close to the Lord, all of a sudden you're going to start getting hungry. Hungry for the spiritual things. Hungry to see God do something. Hungry for the Word of God. Hungry for, for seeing the Lord lifted up and magnified. Hungry uh, wanting God to, to do something in your life and in the life of others and, and see great and mighty things happen. And so it's a, it's a matter that there's a hunger begins to come. If you're not hungry, okay, maybe you ate too much. But tomorrow if you're not hungry, well, maybe you're still pretty full. But in two or three days from now, if you're not hungry, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. You're sick. Something's happening. In the same way as a Christian, if there's no hunger for the things of God and for the Word of God and for the Lord Himself, there's something wrong. Oh, how we want it have that hunger and that thirst after the Lord, after righteousness, after the things of God, to see Him glorified, see Him magnified in our lives. We need to create an appetite. Begin to look at those things through the eyes of the Lord and through the Word of God. When you begin to realize that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back and He's coming back soon, it should stir your heart. You know, I don't know about you, but as, as I see all these things taking place in the world today, and I look at the Scripture, and I understand a little bit, just a little bit about prophecy, I begin to see that the Lord's getting ready to come back. And I need to be doing anything and everything I can to reach others for Jesus Christ. 
whether they be family, whether they be co-workers, whether they be friends, what, what, acquaintances, or, or just somebody that you meet on an elevator to give them a gospel track, to share with them Jesus Christ. You never know how it will affect somebody. You never know what will take place out of that one, just a, a moment, maybe give them a track or whatever. You see, we need to seek the leadership of the Holy Spirit in order to do that. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Our problem today as Christians is that we're not walking in the Spirit of God, we're walking in our own flesh. You say, what does that mean? That means we're trying to satisfy self instead of the Lord. That means that we're, we're seeking what I want instead of what God wants. You see, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit came in to dwell within you. What, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have God, and you're not your own for you've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and spirit which are God's. The Holy Spirit dwells within the born-again Christian. Why? To magnify the Lord, to give us understanding, to lead us and to guide us, and to lead us in our daily walk with the Lord, to draw us close to the Lord that we might magnify Him, that we might glorify Him. And so therefore we are to walk in the Spirit. And that means that we're to walk after the things of God and, and, and be sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, allowing God to do that instead of our old rotten flesh. You see, the flesh still has a sin nature. It's rotten. That's why anytime I walk by a plate of oatmeal raisin cookies that my wife's made. Walk by, well, maybe two. Come back by, well, maybe one more. I'm already getting full, but I got room for another cookie. She comes in and says, hey, by the way, I made some homemade ice cream. Bring it on. <laughs> Why? Because the flesh has not been brought under control. And what we need is we need to walk in the Spirit so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I was talking about eating, but, and, but I'm talking about the, the desires of this world. Galatians 5.25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Specifically, then we need to be praying and seeking the Lord for revival in our lives to get us to break up the foul ground, to get us closer to the Lord. We ought to continue to say, Preacher, uh, if, if you're in there serving God and, and you know that, the, man, you're... you're, you're God's working in your life and you're walking with God and everything. Do you keep praying, uh, Lord, get me closer? Yes. Because in this life only, you'll never get as close to God as, as He wants you to be. Not until we step into His presence. And so every day is an opportunity for us to get closer to the Lord. Every day is an opportunity for us to walk closer. Every day is a day that should be sweeter. Every day is the day that we have opportunity to share Jesus Christ with others, to see souls saved, to see lives changed, to encourage somebody in the Lord, maybe to lift up a Christian who's fallen, maybe to, to share the good news with a lost person, whatever it might be. So we need to specifically, we need to pray, Lord, help me work in my life. Send revival in my soul. Send, Lord, stir my heart for you. 
James chapter 5 and verse 16, the latter part of that, of course, is talking about uh, uh, calling for the, the elders to come and pray for, for one that, that needs healing. But in the last part of it, he says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And that is more than just the, the praying for the healing of somebody, but that is in every area of our lives that the effectual fervent prayer, otherwise it's a serious prayer. It's a prayer that's on fire. It's not just words that we repeat all the time, but it comes from the heart. It's a desire to get a hold of God, take a hold of God and say, God, I need you. I want to be close to you. I want you to do something in my heart and life. He said, it'll make a difference. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. You know what our biggest problem today is? We divide our heart up into all kinds of different areas. Things that we want. And whatever we got left over, we give to God. My friend, he says, with all your heart. Give him all your heart. Remember, in the beginning, I talked about how important the heart is in salvation, but it's also important in, in walking with God. He gives us the promises in Jeremiah 33, 3, Call me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. It's when we get close to him that that, an that answer to prayer comes true. St. Chronicles 7, 14, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will heal their land. He said, if you'll get to that place, he said, if you'll break up that fallow ground, if you'll come unto me and if you'll confess those things, if you'll get them right, if you'll sow unto righteousness and into your life, he said, listen, he said, we can have revival. I can do some great things in your heart and life. I can do something in your family. I can do something in your church. I can do something in your town. I can do something in your nation. I can do something in the world today. If I'll get a group of people who said, man, I want to walk with God. We need to draw an eye to God. We need to seek God with all of our heart. We need to trust God for His work. And we just plain old need to commit our lives unto the Lord. The psalmist said in Psalms 37:5, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Commit thy way. Say, what is that? What's that mean, preacher? Lord, Whatever you want, I'm yours. Whatever you want me to do in my life, whatever you want me to change, I'm yours. It's like I've often said that somebody said one time, said, what we need to do as a Christian, we need to get a blank piece of paper and put, Lord, and down at the bottom, sign our name, say, fill it in. Whatever you want, I'm willing. Committed unto the Lord. So much today, Christians are not committed. Just at the end of this week, stand with Leah and Colton. They will make promises to one another. That is a commitment. A commitment to one another concerning their lives, giving their lives one to another. In the counseling, we talked about that. We premarital counsel and with them, and, and, and we went over how important it is <coughs> to be committed to one another. It's not a 50 50 relationship, it's a hundred 
in a hundred. Giving your all to make that marriage work, to make that life what it ought to be. Can I tell you something? Jesus Christ went to the cross and he gave a hundred percent. And he's asking you and I to make the same commitment to give a hundred percent. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 3 says, Commit thy works, the things that we do, unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. He says, I'm looking for those who are committed unto me. Break up that fallow ground. It'll take Christians who are tired of what we see in our world today and want to see the Lord lifted up and glorified and, and wanting to see the Lord move again in power and great might. Can I tell you something? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We want to talk about the, and I, I got books in my office down there. I like reading about revival. We like talking about those great revivals. But there's people that say you can't have that anymore. That's not true. You say, well, preacher, the, th the things are changed. But God hasn't changed. He's the same. And He will revive your heart and life. It may, the town might not get revived, but you can be. Every person in the church may not be, but you can. And it will begin to work in the hearts and lives of others. And we can see revival if we'll seek Him on His terms. But we're going to have to be willing to pay the price and draw nigh to Him. I invite you tonight. I invite you tonight to come and break up that fallow ground at an altar. I invite you tonight to, if that ground's already broke up, I, I invite you to come and sow seeds of righteousness into it. A commitment unto the Lord. You say, preacher, I'm already doing that. Well, I invite you to come tonight and, and seek the Lord with all of your heart. And tonight, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you was to die without Him, and you don't know that you'd go to heaven, I invite you to come and let me take a Bible and show you how you can go to heaven when you die. Let the Lord have His way. Let's bow. Father, we thank You. We love You. We pray, Lord, that You be with us in this invitation. Lord, have Your will and way. Lord, help us to break up that fallow ground. Help there to be a commitment again in our day and time. Lord, there needs to be a stirring again. There needs to be a revival again. There needs to be a, a lifting up of the Lord in our day and time. This world needs to see Jesus Christ in the lives of Christians and lives that are, are changed and, and not like the lost world. Lord, help us to live for you. Help us to serve you. Have your one way, Lord, in this invitation night, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with your head?